Well, the Gamecocks lost another player to the transfer portal, this time in Jordan Birch. What does this loss mean for the Gamecocks, and how do we try to compartmentalize everything that's happened over the last month? You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast your first watch or listen. Here today, we are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And let's go ahead and get on right into it. Obviously, the big piece of news that came out on Thursday afternoon. This is something that apparently on the Big Spur was being talked about for the previous 24 to 36 hours leading into Thursday. And then the whole thing happened. In terms of other media sources, it was first reported by Matt Zenitz of On3 Sports, and then you saw Max Olsen from The Athletic Report, and it just really snowballed from there. And uh, when you look at just this loss itself for South Carolina, assuming that is, of course, that Jordan Birch will not be coming back to Columbia, there's no way to get around this. This is a tough loss for South Carolina. And I want to go ahead and address a notion real quick before I dive into what the loss means, where this leaves South Carolina, and trying to make sense of all of this. The idea that Jordan Birch didn't do anything in his time in Columbia is absolutely ridiculous. Okay, do not, if you're someone who really believes that, do not go out there spouting that. Because, to be honest with you, that is just not the truth. Now, if we want to get real technical, Jordan Birch, of course, was rated as a five-star by, I think, every single major recruiting service website in the 2020 recruiting class, the cycle where, of course, he came to South Carolina. And if we're looking at just that, and we're looking at his production, where he got four and a half sacks in three years, you know what? I will maybe listen to an argument that, sure, up to this point, he hasn't lived up to maybe the status that he had coming out of high school. Now, obviously, there's a bunch of other circumstances that could come into play here. It's not always completely all on the player if they don't live up to a certain expectation that's set on them. There could be things going on in his personal life. There could be things that affected him on the football field. Obviously, his first year was the COVID season where he got very dinged up. He had a whole new defensive coaching staff his sophomore year that he really just started to get adjusted to this past season that just concluded. So the point there is it's not always all on the player if people believe that they haven't maybe reached their full potential. And here's the other thing, y'all. Jordan Birch brought... Some really good stuff to the defensive end position at South Carolina. First of all, there was nobody on this defensive line the last couple of years that could move like Jordan Birch could. Nobody. Jordan Birch weighs like 275, 280. Guess what? He can probably run like a 4-5, 40-yard dash. How many other guys out there can do something like that? Probably just a handful. You could probably count on one hand. 
He also did a lot to affect the quarterback. This was extremely evident in South Carolina's last game, ironically enough, the Gator Bowl against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, where Jordan Birch was a menace in the backfield for Notre Dame all game long. And that was in a game where he rarely got subbed out. In the fourth quarter, Jordan Birch was just gassed because he had been out there for so many plays and was giving, of course, you know, 100% effort on those plays. And the thing is, again, you're going to look at four and a half sacks in three years and some of you are going to sit there and say, well, he didn't do a whole lot. Sack numbers don't tell the whole story anymore in football. We talked about this before. Pressures and hurries are just as important, if not more important now, because the way offenses are predicated, it's all about getting the ball out fast. So again, yes, four and a half sacks, probably not what people wanted, but it doesn't tell the whole story is my bottom line with that talking point. Now, where does this leave South Carolina's defensive line as a whole and specifically the edge defensive end position? Well, up to this point now, South Carolina has lost five defensive linemen since the end of the regular season back in 2022. Feels weird saying that. Zach Pickens, moving on to the NFL. Gilbert Edmond, enter the transfer portal, likely not coming back. Hot Rod Fitton, enter the transfer portal, likely not coming back. Jordan Birch now has entered the transfer portal. You can never say never, but probably not coming back if he's entering the portal in the first place, let's just be honest. And MJ Webb has exhausted all of his eligibility. At this point, something else crazy could happen. Let's just, you know, be honest here. There's been so much that's happened the last month that uh, maybe we don't know when this is going to be over. But I would imagine you're not going to see another move like this. I would imagine so, at least. Now, what about the edge position specifically? Tyree Johnson and Brian Thomas Jr., as of right now, are the only two that are guaranteed to be on this roster heading into next season. The two remaining scholarship players from the 2022 season. You can also throw in Jordan Strawn. And here's the thing. Jordan Strawn, if he's going to come back, needs a medical waiver approved by the NCAA. Now, of course, we would all sit here and think, well, he got hurt in game two and tore his ACL, was gone for the rest of the season. He ought to get that seventh year. The NCAA has made some interesting decisions on a lot of different cases in the past. So honestly, you cannot 100% guarantee it's going to happen. It should happen, but we cannot guarantee that. And plus, if Jordan Strider comes back for next year, it's a torn ACL. And as we've seen with multiple athletes before, usually when a football player comes back from a torn ACL, it takes them a while to get their feet back under them, so to speak. And especially at a position like the edge position, which is so strenuous on those knee joints and ankle joints and basically your whole lower body because you're trying to essentially springboard at offensive linemen, especially on pass rushing downs, that's going to be hard for Jordan Stratton. It's going to be really difficult. And it should not be expected that he's just going to come right on back and be just as good as he was right before the injury took place. Now, I know that some other people are going to sit here and say, well, Montague Rams and Desmond Umeo Zulu are going to be in the fold here very soon. They can step right on in and help. Listen, Montague Rams and Desmond Umeo Zulu are both uber-talented players. They absolutely are. I think both of them are going to have really good careers at South Carolina. I think they're a really solid yin and yang in terms of their play style. Desmond Umeo Zulu brings length, athleticism, and technique as a pass rusher in that edge position. Montague Rames really built physical, real violent with his hands in the ground game, in rush defense. 
I think that they're going to complement each other very well when they get their opportunity. Here's the thing. You cannot just expect these guys to step in and start year one. It is very hard for linemen to go from the high school ranks right into the SEC and start from day one. There's very few linemen on either side of the ball that are built to make that kind of move in that short of a time frame. Even if they get spring practice to get a head start in a strength conditioning program and really dive into the playbook. Maybe these guys could shock me. Maybe they both could end up starting. I could see one of them starting at this rate. Both of them, I think that's a bit of a stretch. So, again, this is a tough loss for South Carolina, losing Jordan Birch. Do not try to talk yourself out of that. It it is. From an experience standpoint, an athleticism standpoint, and a pass rushing standpoint, this is going to hurt the Gamecocks. And they're going to have to really figure out a plan B real quickly because they can't go into next season with just Montague Rames, Desmond Zulu, Tyreek Johnson, Brian Thomas, and maybe Jordan Strahd. You throw in Terrell Dawkins as well, the Gamecocks are going to have six guys. But the question is, is it six guys that you really can depend on in terms of depth and in terms of maybe even being starters, at least for 2023? South Carolina is probably going to need to get another defensive end in this group. They're going to probably need to hit the portal. And the issue is it's so late in the game now that at this rate, Shane Beamer and the staff, if they're going to do something like that, they're probably going to have to wait for the portal window after the spring practice period concludes, which I believe would be from May 1st to May 15th for that second transfer portal window. So... Those are my thoughts in terms of how the loss of Jordan Birch to the transfer portal relates to South Carolina. Now, when looking at everything that's happened the past month, I know that there's a lot of you right now that at this point, you're probably questioning a lot of different things regarding, you know, what you know about college football, the sport that you've maybe loved for years, maybe decades, um, whether or not South Carolina is going to make it in this new era of college football. Why all this is happening despite South Carolina having such a successful year with everything they accomplished. And we're going to cover some of this. And I'm going to try to really break this whole thing down as best I can in just a few moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Bilt Bar. Now, if you're looking for a new delicious treat, but maybe you don't want all the fat content and maybe a protein bar that's going to have like 280 to 300 calories, basically almost like a meal replacement bar, then I would highly recommend that you try out Built Bar, a protein bar that can help you accomplish your New Year's resolutions this time around because they're not just healthy. They're extremely enjoyable. They're covered in 100% real chocolate and they come in flavors like churro peanut butter brownie coconut almond and much much more these bars only contain 130 calories including just four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein and now you can get these bars at both walmart and sam's club if you go to walmart go to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a four bar box that includes cookies and cream double chocolate or coconut puffs. If you go to Sam's Club, you can grab a 13-bar box that includes brownie batter and churro. I promise you, you will thank me later if you try out Built Bar, where tasty is the new healthy. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen every day. 
Make sure you go check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you'll hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Now let's talk about all of the transfer portal madness, honestly, that has happened with South Carolina over the past month or so. And of course, the portal has giveth and the portal has also taketh away regarding South Carolina. There's probably not any other team in college football that has undergone such a whirlwind of uh, transfer portal news and moves that have taken place like it has in Columbia in the months of December and January up to this point. Now, now I know that when it comes to Jordan Birch making this move from Columbia and, you know, I mean, looking at places like, say, in Oregon out west, the first thing people are going to bring up is NIL. I know that at this point, that's, that's what's going to be brought up. And here's the thing. NIL is probably a factor, but it is not the entire answer here to moves like these because you have to imagine that there is potentially some other reasons why these players are leaving what if Jordan Birch feels like that you know he was progressing at South Carolina but maybe he felt like he wasn't being developed well enough maybe he felt like that especially on the rush defense side of things he wasn't getting the proper coaching and I'm not trying to insinuate that's what happened here but let's just say that hypothetically speaking for, for a guy that knows that he can definitely be at least a mid-round NFL draft pick, maybe even a high-level NFL draft pick, like a day-two draft pick, that kind of player, you can understand why they would maybe think that, hey, time is of the essence. I've got to go somewhere, and I've got to pair up with a coach that I know is going to help me correct some of these issues that I might be having or some of these deficiencies that I might be showing in my game. That could be something that you have to consider. Maybe Jordan Birch feels like that he's not fit for 4-2-5 defense. Maybe he feels like he would be better in, say, a 4-3 or maybe even a 3-4 or 3-3-5, which admittedly 3-3-5, you could maybe throw that out there as kind of like what South Carolina runs, but they usually bring, of course, four down linemen rushing the quarterback. But the point being, there could be differing reasons as to why someone like Jordan Birch would want to go to a different school. It's not just NIL at the end of the day. Is it a factor? Yes. And people would be naive to say it is not a factor. But you would also be naive to say that it is the only thing that these kids are chasing. That is the only reason why they're making these kind of moves. Now, here's the other thing. I've noticed with these moves that there seems to be two camps here in terms of the reactions to these moves. There's one camp that sits there They see these players make these moves, and they say, we thank you so much for everything you've done for South Carolina. We appreciate the fact that you came here and played for the Garnet and Black, and we wish you all the best of luck with wherever you go and your future endeavors and your football career, etc. There's one camp that does that, and that camp also is not afraid to criticize the other camp and vice versa. And the other camp is a camp full of people who are very frustrated with these moves for multiple reasons. You know, they can't completely understand why some of these players are making the moves they're making, legitimately speaking. They are frustrated because maybe there's someone that they go to the football games. 
They feel like they invest a lot of time and money and energy, not just them, maybe their whole family, maybe a bunch of friends. And they do it for, you know, seven Saturdays a year in the fall, maybe even all 12 if they all go to the away games. And they do all this to cheer on this team. Maybe they donate money to the program. And they feel like at this point that, you know, in a weird way, it's not being appreciated anymore. That it's not being factored in with any of these decisions. And I see both these sides sort of point the finger at the other and say that, you know, you're part of the problem with this entire ordeal. And here's the thing. Both reactions can't be fair here. You can be grateful for someone like Jordan Birch who stayed home, stayed here in Columbia, South Carolina, played for the Gamecocks, gave three years of his football career to the University of South Carolina and went out there, gave it everything he had and had some really good performances and put on for his home state, for his home city. You could be grateful and appreciative of that and wish him well with wherever he goes. But you can also sit here and have a right to be perplexed and frustrated at the fact that he is from Columbia. He has another year that he could have spent here at South Carolina. So why is he making this move? Does he not consider maybe any of the other external factors that he might not have as much control over and his talent can't overcome? There are certain people who will say things like that. And the thing is, you might not agree with it completely, but you can understand where those people are coming from. And if you do nothing but point fingers at the other side, guess what? As a fan base, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to progress in trying to figure out, well, what do we need to do to get beyond this? If it is indeed an issue with maybe NIL, maybe, you know, there needs to be more money, which I'm not saying it is. But if you're trying to figure out a solution to this, if you feel like there's a way to control this and slow this down at South Carolina, arguing amongst each other is not going to get you anywhere. That's my main point with that talking point. And the last thing is this. You have to remember at the end of the day, these moves are not going to tarnish the reputation of South Carolina football. Now, are there some people outside of this football program, outside of this bubble who are maybe national guys, maybe people that are casual fans, who are sitting there and they're seeing these moves at South Carolina, they're raising their eyebrows and going, oh, wow, they keep losing guys. They've lost Marshawn Lloyd, they lost Jaheim Bell, they lost Jordan Burt. Something bad must be going on in Columbia. There are people out there that are probably either thinking that or they might be even saying that. Here's what I'm going to say regarding that aspect. You don't need to listen to those people because at the end of the day, to be honest, unless those people are really associated with the school, they came here, they have a family member that, you know, is a fan of the school or program, or they've covered the SEC, covered South Carolina, for the most part, those people's opinions don't matter. They don't. What matters is what's actually happening in the building. What is going on at South Carolina? And Shane Beamer is bringing in one of the best recruiting classes in recent memory here at South Carolina, a class that every recruiting service website loves, especially in the trenches. The Gamecocks are in the game for several high-level recruits in the 2024 class. And they got guys like Spencer Rattler to come to South Carolina. If South Carolina had something bad going on in the building right now, they probably would not be having all these things going for them all at one time. 
They probably wouldn't. If there was a culture problem, if there was a coaching staff problem, you would probably be seeing a much bigger exodus. Because guess what? South Carolina might be losing some quality players, but they're not losing the quantity of players that other programs have, like Texas A&M and Arkansas. Go ask them how they're doing in terms of their roster and their depth chart. Some coaching staffs are scrambling. South Carolina is very fortunate to where there's really only one spot that they're going to have to scramble for, and that's the edge position. So the point is, again, you cannot let this stuff overshadow the positives. And you have to remember that with everything that's going in the right direction for South Carolina, it's probably not a program problem. It probably isn't. And you can take solace in that despite how frustrated or how perplexing all of these moves might be to you that has happened here at South Carolina over the last month or so. Okay, now I've talked a lot about football on today's show. I've talked a lot about the transfer portal. Let's divert from football and go look at South Carolina's number one ranked women's basketball team because the Gamecocks took the court last night in the Colonial Life Arena against the Auburn Tigers. And yeah, I get it. Auburn is not necessarily one of the best programs in the SEC. They're certainly not maybe like an LSU or a UConn or an Oregon or, you know, teams that could actually challenge South Carolina like legitimately. I understand that. The final score was 94-42, to so South Carolina won very comfortably in this game. But the thing is, this game was different, and here's why. South Carolina played a really crisp, efficient basketball game on Thursday night, and I want to get something clear. I'm not trying to say that South Carolina is incapable of having those kind of games, but over the years, especially the last few years, We've seen South Carolina, and what does everyone say about South Carolina? Well, they're going to feed the ball into the paint. They're going to be really physical. They're going to try to own the glass, and they're basically just going to try to hold on to the ball as much as possible, get second-chance opportunities, hit occasional outside jumpers just to make you respect them enough, and they'll just pretty much grind it out, and they'll wind up getting the victory at the end of the day because they just are way too stacked in the front court. That's kind of how everyone would describe South Carolina in a nutshell, probably. But against Auburn on Thursday night, South Carolina did not have to do that to win the game. South Carolina did a bevy of different things quite well. They shot over 40% from behind a three-point line. They shot 83% from the free throw line. Like, they made 15 of 18 free throws. There hasn't been a whole lot of games that South Carolina has been able to do something like that. And there was a few main takeaways that I had from this game that I think are going to be quite promising for the Gamecocks if these trends continue on late in the regular season, heading into the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament, and of course, the big one, the dance, the NCAA Tournament. Kara Fletcher, she has clearly now gotten completely acclimated to this basketball team. She is no longer afraid to be selfish in certain moments. When Kiara Fletcher joined this program, I think that a part of her really felt like that, you know, the last thing she wanted to do as a transfer, going into a program that has so much stability with the roster that it's built, was come in and basically try to call the shots. You know, really be demanding, you know, try to go in there and maybe take 10, 12 shots a game, which isn't her game in the first place. But I think that she worked so hard to not give off that kind of vibe to her teammates that Kara Fletcher, quite honestly, would be really conservative in terms of shooting the ball in the first half of the season. And it's been reported recently, based on some of her comments, that Don Staley has really started to sort of challenge her a little bit and say, listen, 
We need you to take some shots every once in a while, especially from the mid-range, because you can make those shots. And when you make those shots, you make our offense completely different. And Kara Fletcher has really started to take that advice to heart because she is getting more aggressive. You saw her take the basketball to the rack multiple times on Thursday night. She's not afraid to take some long mid-range jumpers. And again, she can hit those, especially if you give her enough space. And when Kara Fletcher is doing that, it's clear that this basketball team looks a little different. She also did a great job of really being laser-focused on where the basketball needed to go. Communication was phenomenal on Thursday night. And... She did a phenomenal job of getting the ball safely to her teammates and giving them chances, one-on-one, advantageous opportunities to score the basketball. So Kara Fletcher, fantastic job Thursday night. If she's going to be that kind of point guard for this team the rest of the season, the Gamecocks just became a lot more dangerous. Number two, South Carolina no longer needs to completely lean on Aaliyah Boston to make buckets. They have proven that they now have two real dangerous scorers. They have Aaliyah Boston and they have Zaya Cook. Zaya Cook has come into her own in her senior season, realizing this is her last ride here in Columbia. And quite honestly, you know, wanting to make that jump. And you could just see it in her eyes and the way she's playing the last couple of games. Zaya Cook is a different basketball player this year. She is really confident. She is not afraid to demand the basketball and basically say, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to score a bucket. She's done it at the three-point line and she's done it inside the paint. She can score inside and out. That is dangerous for opponents. Bree Beal has shown an improved ability to hit three-point shots. That's going to be a real problem for teams if the Gamecocks can get that out of Bree Beal consistently throughout the rest of the way. And that kind of plays to my last point. When South Carolina makes three-pointers, they're probably unstoppable. That has, of course, been something that's been said about this team for years, is they're so dominant inside, but there's been times where this team has struggled to consistently make three-point shots. And listen, South Carolina is not going to turn into the Golden State Warriors overnight. They're not going to all of a sudden become this team that's starting to shoot like 20-plus three-pointers a game. They're not going to do that. But if South Carolina can do what they did against Auburn on Thursday night, and, you know, they shoot 16 three-pointers, they make seven of them. They actually got two from Aaliyah Boston, I think. They got multiple from Zyatt Cook. They got one from Kara Fletcher. They got a couple from Bree Beal. It doesn't have to be just one person, because that was the thing. Last year, Zyatt Cook was kind of in a slump for her junior year in terms of shooting the basketball. She could make threes, but she was a little bit inconsistent. Destiny Henderson was pretty much the only consistent three-point shooter that had significant playing time on this team last year. The only one. And at times, that could be problematic, but because Destiny Henderson was such a good point guard, was so athletic, and could take people off the dribble as well, she was able to work around that. South Carolina doesn't necessarily have that kind of guard. Zia Cook can take people off the dribble, but not as smooth and as fluid as Destiny Henderson could. So, for South Carolina to get a little bit here from Leah Boston at the three-point line, a little bit here from Bree Beal, a little bit here from Kiara Fletcher. Now, they're not going to get that every single night. But again, when South Carolina can be efficient from behind the three-point line, they are unstoppable. There will be no team that can defeat them. Stanford won't be able to defeat them. You won't see UConn be able to defeat them. Tennessee can't defeat them. LSU, Texas, you name it. They will not be able to defeat South Carolina if these three things continue to remain the case throughout the rest of this season. So with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, or at least, you know, 
it helps you feel a little bit better about the Jordan Birch situation. What are your thoughts on the entire scenario that's played out here with Jordan Birch? What are your thoughts on everything that's happened with the transfer portal? I do want to hear what your opinions are on this entire ordeal that's going on at South Carolina. And of course, how do you feel about South Carolina's women's basketball team? What did you think of their performance against Auburn if you watched it last night? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section. If you're watching today's show on YouTube or shoot me a direct message at A-Line underscore SC on Twitter. I'll try to respond to any comments or replies you have as quickly as I see them. And once again, don't forget to make Locked On College Basketball your second listen now that you have listened to or watched the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, that does it for me on today's show. I hope that y'all have a great rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend. And I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.